Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome back to Kitchen Club with me, Sarah Malcolm, and my brilliant pal, Serena Lau. Kitchen Club is the podcast that brings you conversations from around our kitchen table, bringing a host of new guests and new areas of expertise to get stuck into, all surrounding food and well-being and topics that we generally just want to learn more about. This is a very special live bonus episode of Kitchen Club this week, which we recorded whilst living our absolute best lives in Zakynthos at the Pelagoni Club back in May. It was such a wonderful week where we hosted two live podcasts, plus an evening of yoga, meditation and a supper club with all of our favourite summer recipes. It was just absolute heaven. This week's guests are probably the most uplifting people we've ever had the pleasure of speaking to. Their energy is incredibly infectious and we had a blast chatting all things living abundantly and group hugging with them. It is of course the happy pair aka Dave and Steve. The happy pair who I feel need actually very little introduction but who started their humble passion by simply wanting to help people eat more veg and who 15 years later have triumphed in their mission, opening their own cafe and shop, launching over 60 products. They have six successful cookbooks, a farm, a roastery, and have built a community of over 1 million people living and breathing healthier. I mean, wow. They're the best. You guys are going to love this. Whilst we were recording with these joyous two at the Pelagoni, we were sipping on the most delicious non-alcoholic cocktails made with Pentire, who are our loving and supportive sponsors of this episode. If you haven't yet tried Pentire, they're a deliciously refreshing non-alcoholic spirit made by naturally distilling fresh botanicals straight from the Cornish coast. We've both been enjoying Pentire for a few years and it is just such a wonderful way to drink a little bit more mindfully. My personal favourite is Pentire Seawood, which contains pink grapefruit, sea rosemary and woodruff and is an ideal drink. 
of a hot evening with some tonic water, heaps of ice, and a big sprig of fresh rosemary and slice of grapefruit. It's delicious. It really is so delicious. And I have to say, it is delightful to be able to enjoy a drink with your friends and not feel groggy and headachy the next morning, which is great for any of you who like getting up early for your yoga or your running or anything else active. So if you're keen to try Pentire for yourself, then you can use the code KC20 to receive 20% off. Now, without further ado, here is our chat all on living abundantly with the wonderful Happy Pair. Welcome to this very special episode, slightly, well, Kitchen Club chat with the wonderful Happy Pair. Um, My name's Sarah Malcolm. I'm one half of Kitchen Club, and I am a yoga teacher, meditation teacher, and founder of At Home with Sarah, which is an online yoga space. Um, We started, if you didn't hear hear this spiel yesterday, we started Kitchen Club three years ago as a podcast, and just as a way to kind of, we were having these really wonderful chats within our own worlds and within kind of the wellness industry, and we realized that lots of our friends weren't involved in the same conversations and we wanted to make sure that people our age and different ages were still able to like get the good chats that we were having because we thought they were so special. So we started the podcast and we've had some really, really fantastic guests on um, and we're now launching our sixth season. So it's been a wild ride and we're very grateful. Um, I'm going to let Serena introduce herself and then we'll let this lovely, these lovely lads also do the same. <laughs> so I'm Serena. I'm obviously the other half of Kitchen Club and I am a reflexologist and a hypnotherapist when I'm not podcasting. Um, I'm sure that the happy pair need very little of an introduction. You've probably been to lots of lovely things that they've been hosting over the last couple of days. Um But if you'd like to say a few words about who you are, just in case anybody's missed you, then please Um, do. Stephen, Steve and Dave, we're trying very hard to tell them apart, and I think we finally cracked it. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, So we're Dave and... I'm Steve and this is Dave. We're identical twins. You know the way sometimes... I'm just out of the sea. You know the way you feel slightly just... Uh, But in terms of our, our business is probably what... We're here to talk about. Uh, it's called the Happy Pair. We started it 17 years ago with a little red van and a fruit shop and a dream of creating a happier, healthier, more connected world. And it's grown from me and Dave to where we have two cafes. We have about 70 products in about a thousand stores. We've written six best-selling cookbooks. We've online courses. Lots of bits of the business. But I guess our message is really simple: to try to encourage people to eat more veg. <laughs> well, did, did I do okay? You did a great job. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I tried. You just did my intro for me as well, I'd say thank you. No, and um, you have a roastery and a farm. Like, what don't you guys have? It's absolutely incredible. We don't have any animals in our farm, which our daughters aren't (laughs) too happy about. (laughs) Daddy, why aren't, like, I don't care about vegetables. Why can't we just even get chickens? (laughs) Just to run around and chase, if anything. Yeah, or (laughs) a horse or something. (laughs) So we normally start our podcast by asking our guests for their three favorite ingredients. And in real life, when we're not here, we then cook a recipe. Serena, this is real life. Just, just no, 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 I know. But this is like, this is like island life. 
When we're back in London, we then cook a recipe for our guests using their three favorite ingredients. So we would love to hear your three favorite ingredients, any special reason why you've picked those. And because there's two of you, you can have three each. Okay, I'd say tamari number one, because it's just instant flavor in a bottle. And it mm. just, uh, do people know what tamari is? Yeah. I'm not, it's really tasty and it's like, you know. Do you work for tamari? No, I don't. <laughs> but when you're cooking plant-based foods and you're trying to, most people are trying to look for quick fixes. Tamari is like aged flavor in a bottle because flavor takes time to kind of cook down and tamari has taken, done that for you. It's taken like years to kind of, like the same way oil takes thousands of years to, you know, condense the flavors and we now burn it and we get energy from it. Tamari's three years of my analogy isn't going anywhere because it's not oil. <laughs> Good effort. <laughs> it's really tasty and it gives that umami flavor. So it's wonderful in so many different contexts. Number two, Mr. Number Blaine. two, I'd say is probably nutritional yeast, also known as hippie dust. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it gives that cheesy, flaky taste. I use it quite often um, in lots of things. I find it tasty as a garnish. Um, and that would be two. And three, I don't know. I, I was stuck there. Lime, maybe. So Favorite veg? Uh, what I'd say favorite fruit is like a tide between a mango, a fig, and a watermelon. Okay. Some kind of hybrid. <laughs> well, I'm glad I don't have to create a recipe for you using those then. Uh, Nutritional yeast, tamari, and fruit. <laughs> I'd probably go with salt because it's so easy. It, it, one, it, it's like the conductor of an orchestra. It allows the ability yeah. for different uh, sections of the orchestra to marry and come together to a better symphonic flavor. You can pickle things with a 2% salt solution. You can. It just opens up so much world. So I go with salt. Then I go with chocolate. I have a bit of a love affair with chocolate. I've been making bean to bar chocolate for Ooh, a number yeah. of years and I really love it. Um, and then something for you to cook with. Maybe ginger because it's just a lovely base flavor that can work with both sweet and savory dishes so well and you can caramelize it or you can pickle it yeah. as well. I think we should turn that into a poem. That was beautiful. <laughs> Symphonic. That yeah. was nice. Sorry. That was absolutely stunning, Steve. Uh, thank you. Um, and has food always been, you know, a massive part of your life? Because obviously it's a massive part of your life now. Would you, these are two questions, I'm merging them. Um, would you have had different answers growing up as children? Like how did that, your love for food change and what kind of kicked things into gear for you to know that you wanted you to make uh, people eat more veg? I'd say like, you know, the first 21 years of our life, we grew up in standard meat and two veg diet. So food then was purely fuel because we just loved running any, we were like two dogs that just needed to go chase balls all day and long. Like someone was throwing a tennis ball for us and we'd just keep running all day long. So food was just fuel, it was calories up until the first 21 years. And then you can take the second half of the question. Okay. And great. then, okay. Uh, then food gave a gateway into... Poetic, Ned, think poetic. Channel okay, your inner power. Into <laughs> a deeper, more connected version of ourselves. It gave that opportunity to consider our relationship with how we interact with the world and food being the center of every economy that we often forget. You know, if I ask anyone in this room, what's the center of economy? Some people say tech, some people say oil, some people say pharma. But food, if we don't have food as a species, we disappear. And I think food is so central. It brings us together. It, it connects us to the land. It gives meaning to everything. And I think once we kind of realize that food made us feel more connected and better and the, our relationship with food and we realized that what we ate really changed how we felt within ourselves, suddenly we were like, wow, I love this. I want to like, I felt so ex inspired and excited. And that was why our whole life really evolves around food now. Yeah. What kind of age was that? When did that kind of switch? It, it's kind of a journey. 
I'd say so that 20 tw- years ago, so about 21, we were 21. I Just remember. Just kind of finding your own taste buds and your own... Kind of experiment. You know the way, like, I remember we I was reading all sorts of books because the internet was only kind of coming out back 20 years ago, at least my relationship to the internet. Uh, and I remember, like, reading up in the south of France, reading up and reading about olives and how they were really good and healthy fats and they were so good for you. And I remember tasting my first olive and I spat the first one out <laughs> and then tasting it again, going, this is really healthy. Eat it, Steve, eat it. And I ate it. And then I thought, like, Surely this is meant to do something to me. Surely I'm meant to feel like healthier and stronger. And nothing happened. I was very disappointed. Uh, and similarly, I remember like tasting my first avocado. I remember it was in Walmart and I hitchhiked somewhere and I remember getting an avocado and not knowing what the hell it was. I was like 23. I grew up in Ireland. Avocados were weird. And I remember getting it and I like peeled the skin off like kind of on the side of the thing and I ate it and I was, oh my God, that's rotten. <laughs> but... You know, it was, uh, and, and this kind of idea that I grew up in this very reduced idea of food, that food was going to change me instantly. If I eat, I remember eating like this, this chili. I was up in Whistler and I worked in a burger bar and I remember they made a chili with like 20 different vegetables in it. And I remember eating it going, I've just eaten 20 vegetables. Surely I'm going to like feel incredible. It didn't happen, but it was the start of the journey. And whilst we're looking into the happy pair past, you may or may not have the same answer to this. What's your earliest foodie memory? Earliest foodie memory? Probably, I, when we were younger, our friends used to call us serial killers. <laughs> not serial as in serial killers, <laughs> but like serial as in like Alpen, all brand, ready break, cornflakes. We'd literally sit there and we'd... Horse is probably the best verb to yeah. describe how we ate. Yeah, our mum used to buy like, you know, those three kg bags of Alpen and a box of brown flakes, and we could sit and eat them at, a f- at one sitting, like we were uh-huh. proper serious. It was kind of like you'd get into place. Down like we were like, we just needed nose bags, like two horses <laughs> that just needed, you know, a trough. <laughs> so, and yeah. when we were kids, our mum used to get six litres of milk delivered to the house every day. Wow, yeah, six litres. Six litres every day. And not one of us drank dairy for the last 20 years since, So, but it was the first wow. 20 you years we drank You had your fill it. already. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, You've had a yeah. lifetime <laughs> supply. Yeah. 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 Steve, well, would, uh, Dave, would you, would, would you have said the same memory? That's a good one, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, yeah. Of cereal, <laughs> cereal killers? Yeah, yeah, good one, yeah. First time we've interviewed cereal killers. <laughs> nice. But um, this, yeah. No, go no, on, Serena. No, no, no. You go. So lots of people get stuck in the trap of thinking that, ooh, losing my questions, thinking that eating well is complicated and time-consuming and boring. What would be your three top tips for nourishing yourself easily, improving your diet basically in a simple but maybe fun way or cost-effective way? Well, I'd say number one, I'd say unprocess your diet because, you know, statistically 55% of the calories eaten in the UK and Ireland are ultra-processed foods. So in processing your diet, processed foods are way more expensive than, you know, fruit, veg, lentils, beans, all the like peasant foods, which really nourish our body. So in terms of time, speed, cost, it doesn't have to be complex. Like it really doesn't, you know, beans and potatoes and carrots and broccoli, all the vegetables there, they're reasonably cheap to buy. And then it is a skill, like it is a life skill. Like in terms of my kids, the one skill I would love them to, to learn most is how to cook and how to feed themselves because... You could become the, the smartest person in the world, but unless you kind of understand food, health is so central to your relationship with food. So I've gone on a very weird answer there, but 
No, I like it. I, I think point number two, I think progress rather than perfection. We all get caught up in like, what's the latest superfood or what's the silver bullet or the hack to health? I can drink pints. I can eat McDonald's every day. But if I eat this one goji berry, <laughs> I'm going to be healthy. <laughs> Whereas I think it's what we do every, t every day that makes most sense. So I think it's baby steps. And it's not an all or nothing thing. It's not like you eat a piece of chicken and you're off the team. It's like baby steps. You know, if you eat meat 14 times a day, Maybe try eating a banana once, you know, and before you know it, you can improve, improve, improve. And, and I would say probably point number three, it's not about, there is no perfect, like vegan and vegetarian. It, it's not about those words. They're exclusive ideologies. They're aspirations. But ultimately, it's about eating more whole plant foods. So whole foods being fruit, veg, beans, whole grains, nuts and seeds, because those are the things that we need to eat more of and less of the other stuff, really. Yeah. Love that progress, not perfection. That's a good one. Yeah. Good one to remember. And it's, I mean, it's hard when you're starting out, if you're not uh, a keen cook, to know what to put together. I mean, going back to your Steve, the, you know, how salt can change ingredients. And I think it's just about having fun with it, isn't it? And kind of like, if you cook something and it's disgusting, then you're going to learn from that. And maybe next time you make it with something different or embellish in a new way, add a new herb, spice mix things up I mean it's the part of life is like getting things wrong and then enjoying the process right yeah I think so much of cooking we tend to cook with our head our rational brain but co cooking's intuitive and it kind of comes from the heart and it's kind of the more you can stop following recipes and just have fun and kind of relate to it because like a carrot is a carrot but like you can grow a carrot with a what do you call the sweet score again? Brick score. A brick score. So, so brick score typically measures the degree of sweetness in, ah. a, in some form of a fruit or vegetable, for example. And typical, an average carrot can be grown. The average one in the UK will have a brick score of around seven or eight. But you can grow carrots that can have a brick score of 16. So they're twice as sweet. So you're eating it going, this isn't a carrot. This is like eating like sweet carrot juice. And so same like with tomatoes, like cherry tomatoes. You know, you eat ones in winter and they're like, oh, that tastes like a vegetable. But then if you're in someone's uh, like glass house in the middle of summer, like they taste like a fruit. Mm. So like, you know, different produce have... And, and so what I'm saying is like, there's a recipe, but then there's trust in your gut and actually tasting it. And like, it's a tactile experience and like getting your hands in and getting messy with it. And I think it's beautiful. I think through this we can all be great chefs and have more fun. Yeah. But I, I don't think it's about being great chefs or anything, because I think... Sorry. I think... <laughs> but I do, like, I think of, like, like, I look at my wife. She hates to cook. She's no interest in cooking. She's zero interest. That's why she married a chef. Yeah, yes, exactly. yes, but there's lots of other people that don't want to cook, and they're just lazy. And the reason why I'm a reasonably good chef is because I'm lazy. You overcome... You're, like, Stephen likes to, like... He, he just loves to, like, feel his food, and, like, you know, and, you know, he'll, he'll be... It'll just be a madhouse of 50 million ingredients <laughs> um, whereas I'm lazy so I'll be like how can we do this really quickly and simply and easy because I don't really like it but I'm good like I like being good at it so it's you know I think there's so many different approaches to it yeah definitely S sibling rivalry who's a better cook oh he's better way oh. better but, uh, <laughs> but, but he'll over complex things and I put in way too many ingredients and there'll be way too many steps where it's like just make it simple like <laughs> most people don't want complex <laughs> can I just ask it was brick score and is that something you can measure as you're growing yeah the you veg? have to get a refractometer Ooh. it's the same thing which you measure the total dissolved solvent in coffee so it kind of gets a bit into the food science right we had something we'll sometimes measure the brick score in jam we'll sometimes measure in we have a coffee roastery system to measure the total dissolved solids to measure the degree of extraction of your coffee when you get a bit nerdy but it's 
Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's very cool. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting if you're into that kind of thing. I've never heard of it before. <laughs> uh, yeah. Have you? No, never. No. Um, this chat initially was called Living Abundantly. And I feel like you both just really embody that like live and breathe it and it's incredibly inspiring and no doubt has got you to where you are today because it's just yeah people want a piece of your pie you know whatever infectious infectious yeah good way has that I mean I think we've already had a snippet into the happy pair childhood serial killing (laughs) you know (laughs) but has have you always had that kind of thirst for life and yeah I mean it must have been an incredibly part, incredibly big part of growing up in Ireland. You know, being around nature and yeah. I'm I'm also going on to tangents. You uh, can uh, answer uh, my initial question. Uh, I'll say we've always <laughs> been those kind of people that tried to eat the whole apple in one bite. You know, those kind of people that like. You know, we were we had our cooking thing last night, and then we were up paddleboarding this morning at six a.m. Like we're those kind of annoying people that suffer with FOMO because we want to do it all. We want to eat the whole apple in one bite, and we've always been those kind of creatures. So. Um, I guess it's been a 20-year... Ju- okay, maybe I'll take a breath. How long is this better? <laughs> uh, we've always been lucky because there's been two of us, and I think ultimately most of us are looking for some source of security in life with which to go forth and find our own truth, our own meaning, our own purpose within it. And we're very fortunate as identical twins that we've been born with this other person that is your source of security in so much sense. So it's been more fortunate to us, like you hear people, you know, in Spanish, they're looking for their media naranca, their other half of the orange. You're, you're looking for your soulmate or someone to kind of give you that sense of home. And we're, for, uh, now I've gone quite philosophical here, but Thanks, we... Yeah, <laughs> I, might, I might cry. <laughs> I'm cry. But, um, but it, there is an element of truth to it that we've always been happy-go-lucky kind of creatures that, you know, if the world got bombed and it was like just the two of us, we go skip over the hill and go, ah, should we find something else to do, Steve? Go on. Like, you know, we've always been those kind of creatures. So uh, there's an element of nature and nurture. Yeah. And, and do you, is there a flip side to that? Do you find it hard to find a work-life balance in amongst all of that? Because it seems like your working life and pleasure life go, go hand in hand. <laughs> pleasure yeah. life sounds great. <laughs> like Where do I find beach. more of that? <laughs> yeah. uh, I think for us, it's all a blur. It's all a total blur. I think for us, and this was kind of what made sense to us, the more they become closer to one, the more you feel a whole person. The more what become closer? Work and... Leisure is probably better than saying life because it's all one. And I think work for us was always rather than a means to earn money, it was a means to, you know, share love with the world. And I guess through us, we've used food as the vehicle to do that. And it's but but also maybe uh, like even back, we started with a little vegetable shop and cafe, and we used to always call it. Sorry, thank you, Stephen. Thank you, my media Naranka. <laughs> we used to always call it a playing shop. We always thought we were playing shop, you know, because we were playing. We always liked consciously chose to use words that weren't like work or drudge. Like we always felt like we never felt like we were selling carrots or oranges. We always thought we were changing the world. Like we're inspiring people to eat more veg. Like I'm not fucking selling carrots. I'm changing the world. <laughs> you know, so I think it's perspective. Like maybe it's naive idiocy in one sense, a bit like Forrest Gump. But we all live in our own illusions, so why not make the illusion work for you? Yeah, I love that. We actually <clears throat> say that quite a lot, don't we? Like, 
we're not really working ever. It's just, we're just having nice chats with people. Like, it's not work. Don't say that in front of my husband. <laughs> I tell them I work very hard. <laughs> the question that you probably get asked the most, but that probably everyone is thinking is where do you get the energy from? Like, does that, does that just come from the way that you fuel yourselves? And do you ever have a down day? Do you ever put your trackies on, watch a movie, make some popcorn? You're going to say no, and you're going to make me feel a bit guilty. I'd love to. Sounds like a great day. We tend to be quite restless. Yeah. We're quite like my son Theo is so restless. And I'd say it to my wife and she'd go, Well, look at yourself. Like what you do today? And I'm like, okay, fair enough. Uh but of course we've down days. Like everyone, like I guess we grew up in a very male-oriented home and that there were four boys. We went to all boys' schools, we played rugby. Like it was the last place you went talking about your emotions. And if someone asked you about your emotions, it was like I don't know what you're talking about. You know, so we weren't really encouraged to, to, to the other side. It was kind of like, enjoy life, get on with it, make the most of it, shut up and get on with it. So it's only in recent years, I married my, my wife. Yes, I did marry my wife. Uh, she's a clinical psychologist, so she's all about feelings and emotions. And I remember the first time she asked me, Steve, tell me about your emotions. I was like, emotions, shit, okay. Uh, and I kind of went, uh, I'm happy, Horny, yeah, horny's an emotion, isn't it? And hunger. You know, like, this was the degree of my emotional literacy. Uh, and tired. I tired, yeah, tired, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I didn't get any of the bad ones. I only got the good ones. I'm really lucky. Uh, and then the more she kind of um, probed, I realized that, yes, it's important to have... You know, we all have a shadow, whether we want it or like, and the more you can make peace with that shadow, the more you can feel all home, whole, and the more you can relate to other people. So I guess over the years, we've slowly, very slowly, and very immaturely have started to become more aware of the whole. And yeah, we've shit days like everyone, but I think eating well, I think surrounding yourself with people that you really enjoy and love spending time with, I think having a sense of purpose, I think makes it a lot easier to, to manage these down days that they don't really feel like... Mm -hmm. they might just feel like an average day as opposed to a down day. I think it was, I read something yesterday where it said it's not the person that goes the quickest, it's the person that slows down the least. Kind of, you know, the way we're all, we all have our own little races and some of us think are like, you know, burnout is so common because people are moving so fast. But I think it's more about the tortoise and the hare and more about like, we're all just, we're all going to die anyway. You know, so it's about, you know, enjoying the journey. I don't know where my analogy quite went well, there. Well, I think more on to something, but it just, went away from me <laughs> well, maybe it's more like uh, as we mature we're 42 now and you know mature may not be the word that you'd put us in but uh, I, I think um, relatively process is more important than result I think modern day society celebrates the result and you know whether you think someone is a success or not it's only really due to their exposure to failure that has brought them to where they are and I think success is totally arbitrary and I think we need to as a society celebrate context and failure more Jeez, where do hey where the heck do we get here? Mm. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. On on the energy front, am I right in thinking you've got five kids between you? Yeah, yeah, not together, but no, it sounds yeah. weird. I know. <laughs> um, how did you deal with your energy at the stage when they were really little? At the time when everyone's complaining, like, oh my god, I've got baby kids and I'm knackered constantly. Were you still as like high vibe then? No, no. Well, we would have been the same kind of enthusiastic, you know, energizer bunnies. But, uh, you know, like I've been divorced, you know, it wasn't easy like those early years. So it's like, you know, everyone has their own journey and we've got, we do, we are fortunate there's two of us and we've, you know, if I'm not having a good day or something, Steve will go, come on, we go for a run or let's go do yoga, or jump in the sea or whatever. But it's having tools. Like I remember when I was going through getting separated, I'd swim in the sea three times a day. I'd be like, 
fuck, a day's gone shit, and I'd go down, right, I want another start, and I'd go down and jump in the sea again, and I'd go, oh, right, great, right, a, a friend, go. A friend Mark Lawler would always say about the Irish Sea is that I don't like the person going in, but I always love the person getting out. So Aww. it was a great way of kind of resetting the hard drive or kind of just clearing your head or bathing in gratitude. And I, I think we all need these tools, like, and they're the same basic things that everyone, like, you know, if I ask my daughters, oh, what do you do to feel good? And they'd say, well, you probably need to exercise, and you probably need to eat more vegetables. And, you know, most people here can answer the same things but when I think of our lives nowadays like we honestly do like our lives are so rich with people people who I really care about like on a daily basis we swim in the sea at sunrise and there's a whole bunch of people that are like random people like they're not like all these yoga people they're like some of them are 70 some of them are 15 some of them are 30 some of them are 60 they're a whole plethora some I don't even know what half of them do but we all swim in the sea and they're part of our lives and people is really the anchor stone of keeping you up you know when you're Feeling bad. We're just human. I think we're all such a... We're pack animals. Yeah, we're pack animals. Yeah. Yeah. And we do better in packs. Packs that support us and help us and tell us we're great and pat us in the back. And packs don't necessarily (laughs) mean to be your hippie community. It could be a dog or a cat if you're introverted. You know, it's just that sense of something to connect with. I love that you said, Dave, we don't even know what they do. No. And I love that because, you know, in a modern world, we get very hung up on... Oh, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Mm. But actually, there's so much more to being human and you know living life than these labels that we yeah. think. I was just own talking. Us. I was just talking to a lady down there, and she was reading a book about meeting people and connections and communities. And I remember we had we had a chat with a guy who wrote a book. It was called Talking to Strangers. And you know the way, like this week, I'm sure you've all had those conversations. What? Where are you from? What do you do? Do you have any kids? What's your favorite color? Do you have a pet? You know, whatever, those kind of 20 questions or whatever it is. And it's a fact. It's information. It's fact sharing. And I remember we interviewed a guy and his book was written, How to Talk to Strangers or Why You Should Talk to Strangers. And he said there was two questions you should ask is, number one, what would you like to do more of? Because then they're not going to, you're not going to rattle off another stuff. They might go, ooh, I'd love to paint. I once went to Venice and I was painting. You know, and you might get a better conversation or what do you want to do less of? And I thought those were interesting things. But, but I think often those little 20 questions are, say, like Justina, my wife again, she's from Poland. And when she first came to Ireland, she could not, Deborah, you can relate to this, where in Ireland we obsess about talking about the weather. It's like the most common conversation because it's a safe conversation. We don't have to share any vulnerability. And it's a bit like this, this kind of little dance to go, do I trust you? Will I share more vulnerabilities? And if, if not, it's like, thanks, bye, yeah, lovely day, bye. But if I trust you, suddenly I might open up and share. And typically they say it takes about 30 to 40 hours to trust someone that you would call a friend. So all friendships start with hello and those 20 questions. What yeah. do you do for a living? I love that, sussing people out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. Seeing if their vibe's your vibe. Yeah, mm. exactly, yeah. Mm. You've led us so nicely on to talking about community. Oh, great. Which seems to be at the heart of everything you do um, and clearly really, really important to you both. So we were wondering, yeah, how your community influence you, how much the people that you come across through what you do mean to you, impact you, how much you've learned from them. I'm sure that it's like, very reciprocal and it's not just you sharing your food with them and teaching them but I'm I'm assuming you're going to say that you get a lot back from them as well so so yeah I was going to say that uh, so we live anyone who doesn't know we live in a small little town in Ireland it's called Greystones it's by the sea and we were born there so it's the same little town and 
we grew up, as we said, in, in the little town, eating meat and two veg and being normal little lads. And then we went away traveling for a couple of years. And then we came back as these two lads that were now vegan and didn't drink alcohol and were starting a vegetable shop. So people thought we were weird and we didn't have a lot of trust. People thought those lads have lost their way. And then we started the veg shop and the happy pair with the idea to build a community around what we had now believed in about, you know, connecting more, spending more time in nature, eating more plants and not taking life too serious. And I guess we started, people started showing up, you know, people, it ended up being almost like, as we would call it, the center for the revolution. You know, we'd secretly call it that. I remember I'd fill in the central statistics office reports every year and they'd ask you for occupation and, you know, there'd be retail, there'd be all the jobs. And it was like, where the hell is the box for revolutionary day? <laughs> yeah. And I was serious. Yeah. Yeah. We were very naive. Um, but, but are so very naive. We still are a bit, yeah, pretty naive. Um, but uh, so we live in this small little town and I guess it's kind of changed like since, the, since starting the Happy Pair and it's attracted lots of like-minded people. And back about eight years ago, we started swimming the sea every day. We didn't mean to, it just started happening. Swimming in the Irish Sea and more and more people started joining. We started meeting more and more people. And over the years now, there's probably about 100, 150, maybe 200 people that like any day that could be between 10 and 100 people that'll come along and swim at sunrise and we'll all, it's such a connecting thing because you show up on that beach and you don't really know, it's like it's sunrise, no one really wants it, to it's do it. It's not Greece, it's very different. It's very different to Greece, it's fucking cold. <laughs> and you never feel like doing it. Eight years later, it's like, most of my, my head's gone, I don't want to do this, why do you do this? You're so stupid, you're so stupid, you don't need to do this. And then you get in the beach and you tog off and you get in the sea and then afterwards, oh my God, it feels so amazing. And, uh, and you do this with other people and you release, it releases these chemicals in your brain that fuses these friendships because when you're in your togs facing a common enemy, it's such a unifying thing. It's such a beautiful unifying thing. And I guess this has been one part of our community that it's been a beautiful way of connecting people with nature, with uh, facing your fear, with, you know, it, it just symbolizes so much beautiful things in our life. And I think in terms of community, it's... Often in modern day society, we celebrate the individual, but the individual like is out of context. I think context is everything. And I think we are our communities. And if you look to the blue zones, which are the longest living populations in the planet, they don't live such long, healthy lives because they've got super genes or they won the genetic lottery. They win it because the healthy choice is encouraged to be the, the, it's the, it's the easy choice. And I think if we all want to live happier, healthier lives, the more we can create an environment that supports us to, to do these practices, the easier it is to live healthier and happier. And that's ultimately, if you think about the happy pair, the may, at the most selfish level, the reason why we set up the happy pair was to create a little community that would support us to live happy, healthy lives. And that was it, in a nutshell. Yeah. So it's the ninth blue zone, Greystone. I, I don't know what it is. It's fun. We enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what community is there for. Um, yeah, like tribes around the world when, you know, and when women give birth and the women are there, that's like the community. And to have people to to support you even through like through the good the bad and the, the ugly that's uh, what it's all about uh, and even like during the pandemic like most people had a really tough time and they found it hard and really isolating but even in ireland like within 5k like we could walk to the sea and all our friends who swim in the sea they just kept swimming in the sea because you need it it's your medicine so you'd come down every day and swim and you'd still see everyone you'd still keep respect the distances and all that but it was we were still overflowing with people which is that's what we need. Like, it's so central to, to I think, the, re the real wealth in life. Yeah, definitely. I just want to sit here and just, like, soak everything up. Yeah. Do you drink coffee? Is that part of the secret? 
I'm just, I'm still, I'm no, still like transfixed really. on the energy. Yeah, <laughs> I think co- when I drink too much coffee, I become twitchy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll use, oh, did you drink coffee today, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to be around you because it'd be even more bouncy. Bing, 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 bing. But we, uh, when we first started the cafe, um, we were really living our Puritan days back then. And I remember when we first opened the cafe, probably two years in, maybe a year in, it was like we got a coffee machine. It was like I'm not selling cake. Like they, people eat too much sugar, and we're not selling coffee. And then we kind of had to like compromise. Okay, we're gonna sell coffee and I remember it was only about so I kind of resented selling coffee for the first few years and then a friend Paul Grimes came to work with us and as chefs I'm intrigued with flavour and I remember when Paul came in he started talking about a Kenyan natural coffee the taste of blackcurrant or you can have like a Brazilian coffee the taste of almond and I was fascinated like to learn that coffee has more flavour profiles than red wine so through kind of our friendship with Paul and Paul came to work with us we started a coffee roastery and really fell down the rabbit hole of how wonderful coffee can be and just the, the depth of flavour and that little daily ritual that's cheap. You can buy a fancy bar, bag of chocolate that costs you 12 quid versus to buy a fancy car could cost you an extra 100 grand. So it's like, it's a cheap luxury but it's one of those little things during your day that is often a high point or it's a little, mm. it's a little kind of up curve that's beautiful and it's a lovely ritual that, I don't know, it's a moment to savour, which I love. Yeah, so sometimes we drink it, sometimes we don't. I don't drink it because I find I... I prefer myself without it because I'm a bit too insufferable. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll probably annoy more people with coffee, so I drink decaf. But he, he, mm. he, he, you normally, I don't know what you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've actually had a whole episode on <coughs> coffee and its health benefits. So we, yeah, hands, hands up for coffee. Um, we are going to near the end of our chat with a question that we ask all of our guests, which is... and. I mean, we can probably guess, but you might throw some a curveball in here, which is your healthy habit, and it might be different for you both. So feel free to to take this up. But um, something you do either daily or weekly or whenever you need a boost when you're in a bit of a dip. To I'd say hugs, hugs, hugs That's is just such a good thing. Okay, okay, oh, yeah, okay. No, okay, okay. Can, play can, I, can I go? Okay, you can. Okay, you can okay there's this uh, famous family psychologist who, Virginia Satir, some of you might have heard of her, and she's a famous expression that it takes four hugs for maintenance, it takes eight hugs for survival, and if you get 12 hugs a day, you are just off the charts. You get yeah, where this your is going. growth is going to be next level. Okay, so, so, we're, so we're is, is everyone up for taking part in this interactive podcast? Are you up for it? Yeah. This, this is fun. It's a great okay, opportunity so, if, so you think, fan- think if, this. You, if you fancied someone <laughs> over this trip and you really wanted to get to know them, this is a wonderful opportunity. So, so think of this as therapy. This is fun, okay? So, and if anyone doesn't want to play it, you can just stay down. So, if everyone wants to play, please stand up. Yay! Yay! Okay, so, as we said, hugs are wonderful. Hugs are great. Hugs are therapy. And can I say one thing? So, when everyone hugs, typically, which, which side is your heart on? I didn't say heart on. Which side is your heart on? Which side is your heart on? Your, your heart is on your left. So typically when we all hug, and you'll notice this is a reflex, we hug to protect our heart. We don't expose our heart. But did anyone watch Care Bears as kids? Mm-hmm. I used to watch it. So typically when you, when you hug and your hearts connect, oh my God! It's a Care Bears No, you get an extra dopamine release. You get more joy. Your cortisol re- levels reduce. So, so and you feel exponentially superior. Okay, so, so we're going to play a game here to get... The name of the game is 12 hugs in one minute. Or who can get the most hugs, okay? So, ladies and gentlemen, five, four, three, two, one, go! Well done, everyone. I remember one time we were doing a talk in Bank of... Hey, you got to hold your mic there. Oh, Jesus, yeah, okay, yeah. 
I remember we were doing a talk one time in Bank of New York, and they were all wearing suits and cufflinks, and they were real business people. And I remember we said hug, and they all stood up and was like, hello, hello. hello. <laughs> it was quite funny, so thank you. I'm going to give you a prize for my favorite healthy habit over six seasons. Because, to be honest, we've reached a point where everyone says cold water showers, and it's starting oh, to get a little bit repetitive, which I'm sure you guys love as well. But that's got to be the most original one yet. Yeah. I love oh, that. I'm out of breath. Is anyone here not smiling? I don't think so. <laughs> what joy. <laughs> but, but did anyone notice that you hug when you hug the other way? It feels weird because yeah. we're all used to hugging this you way. We all hug that way. Everyone yeah. does. It's yeah. just weird. Anyway. A few shoulders in the boob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to finish with some quick fire questions for you both. And you can answer at the same time. Unless sure. they've got more of an explanation, then I'll let you guys sort it out. <laughs> okay. One food for the rest of your life. Mango. Love. Oh, you're such a cheese ball. That's so cheesy. Oxygen. There you are. Oxygen. Oh, There's the now you're so smart. Thanks. Just pick a food that you can eat. Oh, Fucking mango. Fig. Fig, excuse me. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Breakfast. All of them. I tend to eat all day long. <laughs> If you could choose. Well, then just pick breakfast, because then you can just eat. Okay, breakfast, yeah, okay. <laughs> sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. Ah, sunrise, for sure. <laughs> if you were a kitchen utensil, what would you be? Uh, a spoon. I think it's the most democratic and universal, and you can do so much, but it's so much better than a fork. <laughs> Vote for spoon! <laughs> spoon! <laughs> I'd go for an 11-inch chef knife. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, what would you rather? Live by the mountains and never see the sea? Or live by the sea and never be able to get up to a mountain. I live by the sea. Live by the keep sea. Keep your mountains. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For them. Tea or coffee? I love the ritual around coffee. I don't drink it that often, but it's beautiful and you savour it. And it's a coffee. I don't mind. <laughs> Sweet or salty? Sweet. Sweet. Sarah or Serena? Oh, both. Both. That wasn't planned. <laughs> both. I feel like we had like should have to ten more. But that was the end. <laughs> that was great, great final question. I love that. That was nearly very yeah. awkward. Oh, that was great. <laughs> Good crack. Thank you both so much. What what a pleasure. Such a big thank you to Dave and Steve of The Happy Pair for joining us for such an uplifting chat and for the wonderful Pelagoni for hosting us that week. We wish that you could have all been there live to experience the weird hugging sensation. I don't even know how to describe it. We had an absolute blast. We definitely did. It was just so fun and we were smiling all evening. We have one more bonus episode coming next week so do stay tuned for that but for now please do feel free to browse all of our heavenly recipes from previous episodes and seasons on our instagram which is at kitchen club podcast and if you haven't caught up on all of our five seasons yet then there is so much wisdom and just great vibes to soak up so do go and have a listen to any episodes you've missed and if you enjoy our podcast, then your support means the world to us. We'd love it if you could leave us a lovely little rating and review. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.